And you know, I've seen it happen many times in my preaching. I usually can tell when somebody's getting it. And, then, and let me just give you a clue. If you ever catch a preacher seem like he's going long, a lot of times it is this, this is the reason why, because he thinks you're not getting it. And he's going to keep preaching that he thinks you get it. So this, if you like a preacher to hurry up and get done sooner, uh, get with a preacher or fake it, okay? <laughs> I'd rather you not fake it, but uh, if you get with a preacher, uh, it makes him think you're getting it. It makes a lot of difference. So with that said, the reason I, I like to take holidays and I like to, uh, during the holidays times, even on Labor Day, to go along them lines because a lot of you, uh, if you're a working person, you've probably got the day off and hopefully you're not a part-time or in that kind of situation. You actually get paid for that day off. Because Labor Day is a different kind of a, it's a different kind of holiday because, you know, it's we take off work and get paid for it and it's, and it's Labor Day. It don't make a lot of sense, you know. But it, it does when you understand the history of it. And I may say a little bit about that. But we're already on that mindset. You know, it's my day off. Um, I'm resting. Um, the reason I'm, I've got Labor Day off is, is because of the, the working people in this world and everything. And if your mind's already on that, um, it makes a big difference. You know, for example, I, I heard one time of a preacher that um, um, it was Christmas time. And on that day, he chose to preach on homosexuality. I don't I never quite figured that one out, but uh, makes more sense. Now we need to preach about that, you know. We need that lifestyle is, is wrong, and, and it needs to be taught that why we don't do it. Don't just preach against things. We need to preach why we don't do things. Amen. It's a lot easier not to do something or do something if we know the why, not just what. Makes a big difference. So anyway, that's why if you ever question why I take the holidays time and I, I get on that subject of that holiday, that's why I do it. Part of my job's done done because you are thinking about it. And if we come in here on Christmas and you're thinking about Christmas and I preach about Christmas, what makes it a lot easier? Makes a whole lot, lot more sense. So that's why I'm varying for my series, which is very good. I feel like it's been very good. And if you uh, if you're not watching Watching, I guess, listening to our podcast. We've been trying to put them on quite often. Uh, I usually try to share them to you if you're on Facebook. I try to share them on Facebook and get a link to it, or or you can just you can tell me. I can text you the link to it. You go back and listen to. Been trying to put every service on there. Jacob puts a lot of the youth services on there, and I uh, got one of Brother Weiss' anniversary service this year, and I'll probably put some more of them as time comes along. I put some old ones, made them. Reach back way in the archives and pull some things out and put them on there too. So, uh, listen to them, share them, and all that. But all that said, I'm going to return to the book of 2 Corinthians today, chapter 5, and we'll read a few scriptures, a couple of scriptures, and uh, we'll talk to us. Probably not real long today. But uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 9. We'll read two verses of scripture. Amen. God's so good. Blessed. Blessed. So blessed to be in the Lord's house. Blessed that you're here. We're so blessed that you're here. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9. If you're there, give it away, man. Amen. I like the most of us. 
Wherefore we labor. May I say labor. Wherefore for we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, and every one may receive things done in his body. Listen to this. According to that he hath done, whether good or bad. Now the writer is saying we labor. Every one of us are laboring. Okay? It's Labor Day weekend, so every one of us labor. And we're going to receive from, from Christ according to what we've done, whether it's good or whether it's bad. We're going to receive from him. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the opportunity to be in the house of the Lord today. Bless every individual that's here in this building, God. Our Sunday school teachers, the kids in the classes, uh, from this pulpit to the back pew, God, that you would anoint our ears, our hearts, our minds. Help me to do a good job to expound your word today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. It is what a lot call, matter of fact, it's come to be known as Labor Sunday. The Sunday before Labor Day. It's the only holiday that we have that's brought to us by working people of the United States of America. If you're enjoying this Labor Day weekend through barbecues, grill out, cookouts, family gathering, you can thank the working people of America. You see, the same people who brought us the weekend, doing some searching of this, the same people who brought us the weekend, a concept that was new to working America until there was bargaining for a weekend and negotiations was won. And this is one reason we didn't have a weekend because of the working people. Uh, people just worked all the time. I'm thankful that Jesus established it many years ago and said six days can you labor, but you're going to have a day of rest. I'm thankful for the weekend. Anybody glad when the weekend comes around? I am. Amen. I'm thankful when it rolls around. And nowadays we're living in the hour of the weekend don't mean a lot. People work all the time and all that kind of stuff. But for those of you who do like history, the first Labor Day was a celebrated Tuesday, September the 5th, 1882 in New York City. Thanks to the efforts of the city's uh, Central Labor Union, the event was held again the next year, and by 1885, the ideal of Labor Day spread throughout most of the industrial centers of America. On June 28, 1894, Congress passed an act making the first Monday in September of each year a legal holiday, and still later, by resolution of the American Federation of Labor Convention of 1909, the Sunday preceding Labor Day was adopted as Labor Sunday and dedicated to the spiritual and education aspects of the labor movement. Amen. I say labor. There's nothing like laboring to do something and feeling accomplished with it. There's nothing like it. There's there's a, nothing like feeling the accomplishment, Brother Cliff, of actually working and laboring by the sweat of your brow. I know it's a curse to us. It's, you know, it was part of the curse put on the man. 
as far as working. And you got to work by the sweat of their brow. We've got to deal with the thorns and the thistles and all that stuff in the ground. But there's something about when you labor for something. You know, you know, nobody likes to go to work on Monday or whatever day you go. But when payday rolls around, there's something a little bit different, isn't it? You can get that money that you've earned and you can you can look at it and you can admire it uh, and think, like, you know what? I've done something this week. And and Brother Donnie, there's there's days that I come home from work and I I don't I'd rather not work. I, uh, nobody really wants to have to work, leave your family and all that. But if I wasn't working at work, I'd work somewhere. I'd do something. Amen. Lord ever blesses me where I can be a full time pastor. You know what? I'm still going to have a job. I'll be here early in the morning. And I'll have time that I spent here in the office or wherever our church building is at. Because if you're going to be a full-time pastor, it's still a job. There's a sense of labor that, that when you do something, you accomplish something. It just makes you feel good. Anybody ever plant a garden? Anybody? Am I the only gardener? Yeah, very few. It seemed like uh, I have a garden. My boss asked me every once in a while. He said, any of your people ever take ties on their gardens? I said, they don't have them because I never get no ties on the gardens. <laughs> I'm, I'm picking at you, okay? I've had it a few times like that. But, uh, uh, you know, it's nothing like you get out and you labor. You, you toil in the ground and you, and you, you dig in that ground. You get your fingers dirty. And, and, and brother, uh, brother Donnie, as you see time goes by, you start seeing your corn sprout up or you, uh, if you like me, I don't plant the tomatoes. I go get a tomato slip and put it in the ground. Some of the other stuff. Now, my grandmother, she used to plant them from the seed all the way up. And, but, you know, you labor in that and you're, you're digging, you're working in that garden. And, and I, I know the excitement when I first go out there and I see my first tomato bloom. And that tomato first turns red. And you get that first tomato off the, off the vine. Or you pull that pepper or that cucumber or, or whatever, whatever vegetable it is you like. You pull that off of that. It's just a sense of, hey, this is something that I've done and worked and labored. I know you didn't grow fruit, but you... You know what? If you don't labor and work around that garden and till in that garden, there's no saying to, to live by a garden, you have to live in a garden. That's what I'm saying. You, in order to live by a garden, you got to live in it. Amen. And it's just a, a sense of, of feeling good about yourself. Has anybody ever endeavored to try to lose weight? Oh, God. Now, we all know that's work. And that's why not everybody tries to lose weight. It takes something to lose weight. It takes some labor. But I, I've been a part of trying to do that a few times. I've lost a little bit here at Greeley, but some of you may remember several years ago, I decided to cut sugar completely out of my life. That was different. Completely cut sugar out of my life. Within six weeks, I've lost 45 pounds. And when I look at the scale and I realize how much weight I've lost that time, there was a sense of accomplishment in my life. I feel like I accomplished something. I, I've done something. And this is what laboring will do to you. It, it, it is one of the greatest things in the world that brings satisfaction to your life. A, a, a project perhaps in your house, you know, a, a, a vehicle starts going down and all of a sudden you, you get out there and you try to change out a starter. You, you know, that's so simple. Change out a battery. You know, I know some people don't have to change a battery out of the car. They don't have to. They can't even pump their own gas. You ever hear? You're hearing about the things, some one of the mistakes on awards that, but now then people actually have to pump their own gas. Was it Minnesota or something like that? People's upset because they got to get out of their car and pump their own gas. We're living in a lazy generation, you know it, don't we? 
But listen, it's just a sense of accomplishing something. And 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 I know some days I go into work when I finish the day and I feel like I've I've done enough work that I've earned my labor for that day and I've got some things done and I've done some good things. I feel good. It makes me feel good about myself. I, I feel a sense of accomplishment or perhaps there's some things at the house that needs to be done. And I, I work around the house and there's been a few times I, I, I you know, I, I try to write me a, a list of, of things that at the end of the day I look at. If I get everything marked off on the list, hey man, I accomplish what I set out to do and I labored and I finished the work. Amen. Amen. Does anybody know what I'm talking about here today? If you don't, perhaps you need to get engaged in laboring to do something. Amen. Amen. Somebody say labor. labor. I got a question for us today. On this Labor Day weekend, what are you laboring for? What wakes you up in the morning? What gets you going? What drives you? What pushes you? Tammy says she wakes up for a bowl of cereal in the morning. Amen. I believe it was last Sunday or last Saturday. It was just a few weeks ago. Uh, I got up a little late and stayed up later than I should. I guess it's the night we had the use right now. I was up, didn't get up as early. And I, and I got up and Bethany's like, no wonder I didn't get up this morning as early. You hadn't made no coffee yet. I mean, the coffee gets some people out of bed sometimes, right? Is that what gets you out of bed, the coffee? What, what gets you out of bed? What causes you to get up and decide, I'm going to get busy. I'm going to do something. What wakes you up in the morning? You know, I've thought about this so much lately. And the, the, the fact that, folks, I'm knocking on 50's door. I'll be 48 at the end of this year, December 38, 31st. I'm going to be 48 years old. But now I'm fixing to look up. Y'all, you folks up here, oh, do you get faster time goes. Amen. And Sister Penny, and my boss told me this many times. He said, he said somebody used to tell him, you know, the uh, closer you get to the end of the toilet paper roll, the faster it goes, right? And it seems like it's how it goes. The closer, the farther I go, Sister Laura, the faster life seems like it's going. And I've been reading. I, I, the last month, I, I, I kind of pushed Facebook away. Hadn't been nowhere near it. Just, just uh, yesterday, I downloaded back on my iPad. Probably never put it back on my phone ever again. Probably never ever do that again because it steals so much of your time. I'm not preaching against or anything. I'm just, if you're going to do it, you need to have some limitations on it. Because I realized, Brother Donnie, how much time since Facebook has became a real thing, and I've looked at the time that I've wasted. But I could have been doing something else. Because I don't know that I've ever spent 30, 45 minutes or an hour scrolling through Facebook when I got done that I felt like I've really accomplished anything. Come on, let me get quiet for a moment. I'm going to talk just today. And this Labor Day weekend, I'm going to dig in this for a few moments. Because listen here, folks. I've been thinking about the fact that I'm knocking on 50's door. Now look, yeah, we, we come down here and we start a church. I'm a youth pastor. I started Bethlehem for three and a half years. I still got young people come talk to me about will you help me do this? I've had people. But Brother Donnie, I begin to think, what have I really 
What am I really accomplishing in my life? We're speaking with my wife this just this week about some of the stuff, but I know some preachers that that is in their late age right now, and and at this day right now that I'm speaking, they're still alive. They don't own a home. They're not pastoring the church, and they become very little known to anyone, and they hardly ever preach anymore. I don't want my life to be at that place, brother, brother David. That someday. That somebody says, well, where's that Daniel Orton that used to pastor in Marion, Kentucky? Well, I'm not even sure where he's at anymore. I don't want to know that I have lived and died and have not accomplished anything. I want to know that, you know, I, I've, I've grown some nice gardens and I've had some pretty nice tomato plants. I've done some projects around my house. And I, I've done some good work at the place I work at right now. I've done some done some good things, Brother Donnie. But you know what? When it's all said and done, ain't nobody ever going to know that I had some good tomatoes grow. Nobody's ever going to know some of this other stuff that I've done, where the projects I've done at work, the projects I've done at my house. You know what? What 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 have I done with my life that will make a difference in someone else and me in eternity? You see, it's not all about just my life. But I, that's something I'm probably going to talk about for too long. Jacob Priest about it here a while back, talking about Hezekiah. Whenever Hezekiah allowed Babylon to come in, and he showed all the possessions of the kingdom, even inside the treasure house. He showed. He showed Somebody that wasn't from his kingdom, like a representation of the world, Brother David. All his stuff that he had, and he exposed everything that he had. The prophet came to him and said, you know what? You shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't expose everything you got to the world. He said, because you've done this, Hezekiah, there's going to come judgment on your children. And what Hezekiah said is haunting. It's very disturbing. And Sister Lois, what he said, it's good. That it's not going to happen in my lifetime and it will happen in my children's lifetime. Brother Donnie, I don't want just what I have done in this world just to, to affect my immediate surroundings. But when I live and I die, and Sister Penny, I leave this world. If God doesn't come back, Brother Mike, I want to make sure that I leave a legacy within my children. And I leave a legacy within this church. And I leave a legacy within this town, in this city, and everywhere that I go. That the things that I'm laboring for is not something that's temporal, but it's something that's going to be eternal. It's something that's going to change everything around me and not just change my world now, hallelujah, but change the uh, generations that come. What have I done? It's going to make a difference. I've been thinking and studying on this uh, the last few days about this particular day. I actually, I actually contemplated real hard whether I was going to continue the series or, or go with the theme of, of this. And the Lord just pricked in prayer uh, the other night. The Lord just pricked my spirit. And I felt so strong. And I wasn't even sure. You know, I, I usually like to have titles. I know I'm not even giving a title yet and, and, and nothing like that. But I'm fixing to give it to in a second. I was just trying my best to figure out how, what direction I want to go with. I knew what, how I kind of wanted to talk and I prayed and I studied and, and in my studying, I came across a point that I want to name this sermon today. We'll read part of it and I'll finish it up later. The name of this point is Only One Life. Today I'm going to talk to us on this thought. Only One Life. Listen as the writer C.S. Uh, C.S. Studd wrote, he said, 
Two little lines I heard one day traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart and from my mind would not depart. Only one life to soon be passed, only what done, only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one, soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will lie, last. Only one life, the still small voice, gently pleads for a better choice. Bidding me selfish aims to lead and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will lie, last. Only one life, a few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes, and fears, each with its plays I must fulfill, living for self or in its will. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score. When self would seek to have its way, then Lord help me with joy to stay. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. We only have one life. Everyone in this building, you only have one life. The text that I read today said we labor that we present uh, that whether we present whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. He's talking of God. We're laboring to be accepted of Jesus Christ. He said, for we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it's good or bad. Do we not know that we only have one life? And what we're laboring for in this life, we will stand before God someday. And Brother David, there will be a judgment seat. And God will open the books of life. He'll open this book, the Word of God. And He'll open the book of life. And He'll judge us on that day according to the labors of our life. We only have one life, Sister Valma. Only one life to give. We only have one life to work with. I can't work with your life ultimately. I'm your pastor and I will try my best to lead you and guide you in the right direction. But let rest assured, you are the one that's living your life, not me. I'm living my life. I may be your pastor and standing behind this pulpit, but I have to live my life and only my life. And I have to do what God's called me to do. And Sister Heather, every one of us in this building today, you only have one life to live. And what we do with this life will determine what happens in our eternity. Sister Pina, I want to say that again. What we do in this life is going to determine what happens in our eternity. I want you to notice that I did not say your eternity. Or I did notice I said your eternity, not your next life. You see, this is the problem we have many times. We think we're going to have more than one life. No, folks. We only have one life. Then comes eternity. Why? Because a life will end. But an eternity is forever. When we stop breathing, life is done. When your heart's not beating anymore and you take your last breath, your life's done. I don't know what happened in the waiting moments of the fire that happened last night with this precious girl, Jessie, and her mom and dad. And, and 
a little brother that didn't really get experienced life in the grandfather. I don't know, but rest assured, somewhere in the midst of that fire, where they burnt by being, boy, they died by being burnt to death, or they died for smoke inhalation, which usually is what happens most of the time. I wonder if there's any thoughts going through their mind thinking, what have I done with my life? When they take their last breath, when they took their last breath, their life was done. So we only have one life, and our eternity hinges on what we do with it. Our eternity hinges, Sister Lois, on what labor we are laboring for. The text that I read today, Brother David, it said, look, we're laboring. And he's going to judge us based on our labor. This is Labor Day weekend, and, and we're enjoying the day off. Uh, I guess most of us are, but you know, I'm sure there's some people out there. There's some policemen that's not going to be off. There's going to be some firemen that's not going to be off. There's going to be nurses that's not going to be off. There's going to, matter of fact, there's going to be restaurants that's going to have kids and adults alike that's going to be working in restaurants because of our generation now today, you know what? Because we're laboring for the wrong thing. And there's going to be people that's going to be working the gas station. But we've got to make sure that we eat, drink, and happy and be merry, right? Because we're all laboring for the wrong thing. There's going to be some people that's going to have to be working. But you know what? There's some people who are enjoying the weekend and they're going to they're going to be partying it up and they're going to be they're going to be doing all this kind of stuff and they're laboring for the wrong thing. The labor of our life. How will it be rewarded when this thing is over? I am not a fan of this um, so-called Christian writer because it's Christian rap and I'm not a rap fan, period. Okay. But searching and looking for some things, I did find this song by Lecrae. It was basically, it's kind of Christian rock. And they, I've, I've heard some of their stuff. It's not too bad. I'm just not a fan of it. All right. Um, but the third verse of his song, their song, I don't know who writes it, it's called Don't Waste Your Life. I want to read the words to this third verse of the song. I want you to listen to it because it is quite powerful. Suffer? Question mark. Yay, do it for Christ. You're trying to figure what to do with your life. If you make a lot of money, hope you're doing it right. Because the money is God's, you better steward it right. Stay focused. You ain't got no ride. Your life ain't wrapped up in what you drive. The clothes you wear, the job you work, the color of your skin, no, you're a Christian first. People get to living for a job. Make a little money, start living for a car. Get them a wife, house, kids, and a dog. Then they retire, they're living high on the hog. But guess what? They didn't even really live at all. To live is Christ, and that's Paul's, I would call to die is gain, for Christ would give it all. He's the treasure. You'll never find it them all. Your money, your singleness, marriage, talent, your time. They were loaned to you to show the world that Christ is divine. That's why it's Christ in my rhymes. That's why it's Christ all the time. See, my whole life is built around him. He's the life in my lines. I refuse to waste my life. He's too true to chase that ice. Here's my gift and time because I'm constantly trying to be used to praise the Christ if he's truly raised to life. Then the news should change your life and by his grace you can put your faith in place that rules your days and not nights. 
Come on, folks. There's a lot of church lyrics right there. Whatever you want to call them. Come and tell somebody today that we only have one life. Don't waste it. Don't waste your one life. I want you to think about this today. I'm going to be 48 real soon. Some of you are very close to my age. Give or take five years. Some of you are maybe 10, 15 years older. Sister Val was the oldest one in here, the precious, sweet old age of 16. The question I have today is this. What is your life doing? Heard the story this week, Sister Penny, about a man. His brother died. In the obituary, when they, when they wrote his obituary, they actually wrote the obituary as if he died. They got it mixed up. This guy who wrote the obituary thought that this man died, but instead of his, his brother died. And in the, in the obituary, call him whatever it was, I never seen an obituary like this actually, they was actually running this guy down about how this product, and I don't know what the product was, and how his product was killing and taking people's lives. And how his product that he was making was destroying people. And when this man read his own obituary, something happened in him. And something turned over in his life for the dying. And he determined, he said, I'm not going to be the man that they're writing about right now. And he changed his product. He changed the way he's living his life. And today, the Nobel Prize is named after the man that decided, I'm not going to have my life obituary written like that. You ever heard of the Nobel Prize? It's named after this man that had an obituary wrote about him at one time. What's your life doing? We only have one life. Come on, Brother Orton. I'm, I'm too old now to do anything with my life. Are you really? If you've never, uh, if you've never heard of Nona Freeman, she's an incredible uh, missionary that went across seas. But what you may not know about Nona Freeman is that her 60-year-old mother decided at 60, I'm going to be a missionary too. So my life's waning. It's past. So, well, come on, folks. You need to understand something. It doesn't matter where you start this thing. What matters is where we finish this thing. And we got to make sure that when this life is over, our life does something. It means something. But I, I, something this, this last month when I, I pushed Facebook to the side and, and specifically got it off my phone and, and, and I, I started, I heard Brother, uh, I heard Brother uh, Bound say this, this statement at, at, at a, a camp meeting this year at Lighthouse. He said, you know what we need to do? We need to quit letting the phone rule us and let's start rule the phone. <laughs> And I made my mind up that I'm not going to let this be a tool of distraction in my life. But if it's going to be anything in my life, it's going to be a tool that's going to help me and start investing in me. And you know what I've started doing? I started downloading books on there. And I've been reading every day. I've been trying my best to read every day. I've been listening to audio books and preaching sermons. And I let them come through my phone that's feeding me and challenging me and stretching me. Because I don't want to know that I've lived someday and died and not accomplished anything. 
No doubt you've heard of General Paul Patton. No doubt you've heard of him. If you hadn't, you don't know nothing about history. But he was strategic, and I think it was World War II when we defeated the Germans, and his 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 tank brigade was so strategic in destroying uh, uh, and helping us make this defeat against the Germans during that time. And, and I remember going to uh, Fort Knox several years ago when I was mentoring a young man in, in a metric program, and he got a lot of pro a lot of problems and everything. I remember going to uh, Fort Knox and going up there, and they had have actually the General Paul Patton Museum up there, and you can see tanks and all this kind of stuff. And I, I remember reading as I walked through there all the stuff that General Paul Patton had done and how how inspiring uh, everything that he was doing. He he done seeming to be so much with his life, Sister Deborah. It looked like he'd done so much, and no doubt he did do a lot of his life. But they had this little documentary uh, program, and I, I sat down there and I began to watch it with my my, my friend that I was mentoring and, and trying to help him get to get his life together. And as I watched General Paul Patton and all the escalades they was giving of Paul Patton and everything he was doing, Brother brother Mike, and what he was doing with Paul Patton, all of a sudden as he was coming back from the uh, celebration of defeating the Germans and he was standing up, I never heard him give glory to God. I never say, heard him say anything about glorifying God, but what I did hear him say, he began to uh, call the name of the Lord's name in vain, GD this and GD that, as he was an office, my goodness, a life that does such great things on this earth, but in the end it's not going to mean anything, even though he may accomplish many things in this life. And I don't know how he died. I'm not judging him. I have no idea. But if he died in that moment, I would not want to be in his shoes. I'm reading one of the books I've been reading, John Maxwell. He said this. The truth is that you can spend your life any way you want. Right? You can spend your life any way you want. If it stopped there, that would make some people feel good, but the rest of his the rest of his quote is haunting. But you can only spend it once. You can spend your life any way you want. But you can only spend it once. I made mention to it a while ago, or Lecrae did in the in the lyrics that I was reading to you a while ago. Philippians chapter one, verse twenty-one. Paul said, "For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain." You know what Paul was saying? He said, "Me living in this life right now, my life consists of Christ." And he's saying that when I die, I'm not going to die and lose. I'm still going to gain. Because when you're living for Christ, there's nothing but a gain, whether you're living or dying. See, what another person anonymously said, what you do today is important because you're exchanging a day of your life for it. Let that settle in. I want to read that today again. No one don't know who to credit this to. I have no idea. I just found it in, in some quotes. It said, what you do today is important because you're exchanging a day of your life for it. How, how are you going to spend this day? How did you spend yesterday? What did you exchange yesterday for? You exchanged a day of your life yesterday for did you Did you exchange it with hatred and bitterness? Did you spend your day yesterday angry at somebody all day long, running people down and talking about people? 
Did you spend your day yesterday in unforgiveness? We were harboring that on the inside of you and you walked around because somebody done something to you years ago and you haven't got over it yet and you walked around captive to your to being a slave of your yesterday. What did you do with yesterday? What are you going to do with today? The truth of the matter is we've not lived all this day and you can make a difference in this day that you might have might not have done yesterday. Because every day that we have, we're exchanging it for life. Sister Penny, every day that we live, we're exchanging it for life. And what am I laboring for this day? Am I laboring just to get another dollar? Am I laboring just to get uh, be malicious and, and, and get my way with everybody else around us? What are we laboring for? Ephraim hearing, I have no idea who it is. It's another quote I found. said, you only have one life. Live like you want, want it to actually mean something. That's what's been bombarding my mind, especially the last last uh, four weeks or six weeks or so of my life. What's been bombarding my mind is, God, what am I doing to make a difference? I know I'm the pastor of this church, and I, and I know I was youth pastor. And I know I got, I, I, you know what, I know I got two incredible kids. I know they're absolutely amazing. They're better than I ever was, and and, and they're, I'm so proud of them. I understand that. And, 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 but you know what? What am I doing? with my life. We must value time. Time. Life is time. And the time we have to work for Jesus in this life, we've got to value it. Listen, folks, the most valuable thing you and I possess is time. The most valuable thing we possess is time. Time is unlike any other resources in the entire world. You can't multiply time, you can't borrow time, and you can't recover it after you've lost it. I want to say that again because it's, it's powerful. You cannot multiply time, you can't borrow time, and you cannot recover it after it's lost, it's gone. Time can only be spent. That's it, folks. And once it's gone, it's gone forever. That's why we cannot wait a moment longer than necessary to live our best lives for Jesus. Because you don't know, just like them folks in that house far last night. I guarantee you none of them was planning on dying in a house far last night. I promise you my daddy on November 30th, 1993 did not plan on dying on that day from a gunshot wound from his own dad in a hunting accident. I promise you, those that you know in your life, hallelujah, that's done past this life to the next, they was not planning on dying that day. And the only ones that do plan on dying in a day that take their life, they don't understand what time and life is really all about. And they throw their life away. And they think that they're getting rid of this life. And they'll understand that what you labor for in this life, you're going to be, uh, uh, God is going to reward you for it in the next life. Amen. We literally don't have time to wait to do it later. It's got to be done now. We can't be that guy or that woman who believes that living for Jesus can be done later. We can't be that guy or woman that believes that doing a work and your ministry for God can be done later. Because later may not be here. Later may not come. And we've got to labor for Christ now. 
I can't manage my finances later. I can't always just go to the gym and eat healthier later. I, I can't always just tell my loved ones how much I love them and care about them later. I can't always just be happy later. I can't always take control of my life later. If I'm dead, I can't always live and work for Jesus later. It's, a, it's an insane, it's a uh, misguided ideal that later, uh, that you know what, with that ideal later, it keeps you broke. It keeps you out of shape. It keeps you unhealthy. It keeps you emotionally and mentally and physically unhealthy. It keeps you totally unhappy and eventually it'll make you lost. Later, all later does is keeps me miserable now. And slowly dying on the inside. Come on, I, I, I may not be what she's coming looking for on a, on a uh, labor Sunday, but this is what I feel like the Lord wanted to give us today. Because you know what? You know, you know, we may be slowing dying, but speaking of dying, let's talk about that for a second. Have you ever talked to somebody who was on their deathbed? If you haven't, trust me, most likely you're going to hear something like this. Or, or one thing you're not going to hear a dying person tell you. You know what? They're not going to tell you that. Uh, 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 they're never going to tell you is to put off your dreams. They're not going to tell you to put off happiness. They're not going to tell you, oh, oh the best life that you got is labor. No, no, they're not going to tell you that. They're going to tell you, hey, life means something. You better live it now. They're going to tell you, you better live for Jesus while you can. They're going to tell you, don't wait till tomorrow uh, on, on your deathbed to realize this. Live for Him now. Serve Him now. Labor for Him now. At that point, there is no rewind button. You can't back it up and do it again. Remember, one of us in this building would love to go back. Love to go back and rewind. I tell my son all the time, son, 15 years old and preaching the gospel. I'm so proud of you. I was stupid with that and I waited that was 25. Now then, Sister Penny, 22 years removed, there's still things I can say. I looked at my wife. I've been reading John Maxwell. He's been studying leadership and a lot of different things. He's not of our faith. He's not of our denomination, but he's your study after study after study, Brother Donnie, that's been proven to, to help people grow in so many areas. I looked at her the other day after reading, finishing one of the books. I looked at her. Look, you understand, in the last six weeks, I've finished five books. It's just a penny. It's doing something to me. It's making me realize, God, why did I wait till I was 40-something years old to put all this stuff in my heart when it was available to me years ago? Brother Diane made my mind up. I don't know how many more years I got. I understand the reality that I'm, I'm fixing to be 48, and most likely I'm on the downward trend. Most likely I'm on the backside of life, and life is going down. But with the clip, I've made my mind up that I'm going to do everything I can on the backside of the mountain, hallelujah, to make it better than it ever was in the front, because there is no rewind button, and I can't go back to when I was 15 and live for God like that. I can't go back to when I was 9 years old when God filled me with the Holy Ghost for the first time, and I walked away from it. And when I got on drugs and I got on all that stuff as a kid, I can't go back to that. But what I can do is the days ahead of me, I can live my life and I can labor for God for everything I got because I know what the Word of God says. Them same people 
Savior and the last. They got the same reward as the one that got it at the beginning. It doesn't matter what we get at the beginning or at the end. What matters that we finish this race and we run with patience and we labor for God and we do all we can for our Savior because only what we do for Jesus matters. There is no rewind button. I can't get those hours back. I can't get those years back. They're gone. That's why it's critical that I make what I have now, every minute, every moment of my life, count. I can't choose to waste my money. I can't choose uh, 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 to use it temporarily and just on stuff that's going to just pass away. I can't choose uh, to waste my time. I can't choose to waste this body that God's given me, Brother Donnie, on all kinds of junk that everybody else in this world says it's okay. I've got to take care of this body because this is the only body God's even given me, Brother Donnie, and i got to take care of it Oh, because I can't preach if I'm, if I'm dead. I can't preach if I'm disabled. I can't preach, hallelujah, if I'm not financially able where I can help somebody. Oh, God, help me to live this life, hallelujah. That's going to benefit somebody around me, if not just myself. I know everybody here may not get it today, and everybody here may not want what I'm giving, but if I'm not preaching to nobody else, I'm preaching to this man on this pulpit, and I hope the goodness that something happens in me that makes you so uncomfortable when you come to the house of God that you'll either have to stay home or you'll have to run to an altar like the Word of God says it's supposed to be. Oh, God, wake us up. Oh, God, steer us up, God, and make us realize we only have one life. If we choose to waste our time and our labor, we're actually losing a precious part of our life. Literally. There's nothing that you can do to recover what you're wasting. The only way you can recover it is to do something that's in front of us. Jesus said in John 9, 4 and 5, he said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it's day. He said, the night's coming when no man can work. He said, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. And then he tells us, but Donnie, in the book of Matthew, he says, you're the light of the world. Folks, we're that light. I mentioned it in the in the song, in the worship service, Sister Peter, we're the light of this world. Look, he said, while, I, he said, while I'm here, I'm the light of the world, and you got to work while there's uh, while while there's light, because there's coming a time when you're not going to be able to do it no more, folks. I'm telling you, Jesus is going to come back one of these days. He left. He sent us. He sent back the Holy Ghost, His own Spirit that kept Jesus alive. He sent that back to live inside of us. And if you've got the Holy Ghost, you've got the light of this world, and we need to make sure that we don't put a bushel over top of it, and we cover it, and we need to be the light of this world, and we need to labor, and we need to work, and we need to do all that we can. Hallelujah. Why? Second Corinthians 4 and 16 says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For 
For our light afflictions, which is but for a moment, worketh for a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We can't work for the temporary. I'm thankful that I got a good house. I'm thankful that I got some decent vehicles. But Brother Donnie, my life can't be all about that. It can't be all about my next car that I'm going to get or upgrading to the next new phone or the next new device or having the latest iPad or the latest Google Playbook or whatever you're, whatever you're, uh, whatever you like with that kind of thing. We can't just labor for the next dollar. Oh, we got to understand something. What we do on this life matters for eternity. And Sister Lois, I know you're in middle jobs right now, but sis, understand something. That stuff's temporal. What you're doing here today is what matters. What you do on that bus when you get them kids in the house of God, that's what matters. What matters when you come up here and say, I want to stand in this little girl Jesse's place. Hallelujah. That's what matters. What we do for these kids. What we do for our neighbor. They bring them closer to God. What we do for Jesus. Is what matters. This world's going to pass. Come on. And only what's done for Jesus is going to last. We'll bring this to close today. Book of Luke, chapter 12, verse 16. The song that I read the third verse to of Lecrae, he mentioned this. He mentioned these scriptures in his song. As I was searching and I was studying and looking, I, I, I seen where he mentioned it. I knew what he's talking about. So I went and looked and thought that I need to close with this today. Jesus, verse 16, and he spake a parable of them saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful. And he thought within himself saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room for to bestow my fruits. He said, This I will do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. I will say to my soul, So thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be part of thee. Then whose shall these things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasures for himself, is not rich towards God. Listen, folks. You may get the best job in this area. You may make $30, $40, an hour. You may accumulate stuff and you may think, I have arrived. That's what this man thought. If only this man in this parable would realize, I've got too much stuff. What do I do with it? I don't tear down, make bigger, bigger barns. How can I give it to someone else? Because rest assured, buddy, church, when you was born, Every one of us was born with something totally, totally, completely common. We were butt naked. And when we leave this place, nothing you have you're going to take with you. The only thing you're going to take with you, or you're going to go, is going to be the thing that makes up who you really are, and that's your soul. And where that soul will spend eternity is going to depend on what you have labored for. I'll read the rest of the poem today. The one that I took this title from, Only One Life. Does it give me, Father, purpose deep in joy or sorrow thy word to keep? 
faithful and true, whate'er the strife, pleasing thee in my daily life. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let my love with fervor burn, and from the world now let me turn. Living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say thy will be done. And when at last I hear the call, I know I'll say twas worth it all. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life soon will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And when I'm dying, how happy I'll be if the lap of my life has burned out for thee. Lauren Talley wrote a song that Sister Ford used to sing many years ago on the little church across the road there at Star Bethlehem. It says, I've been blessed with many things. God's been so good to me. I have family and friends who share in all I do. But if I lose it all, I'm left with nothing. If I have the Lord, I know I'll make it through. The chorus says, He's the only reason I'm here. But oh, what a reason. He's the only reason I live. But oh, what a reason. Listen to it. There's nothing in this world worth living for. It only leaves you empty. Longing for more, he's the only reason I live. But oh, what a reason! You may have tried a lot of things to find real happiness, but if you look very long, you know it can't be found. Do you find the Lord and you know the power of His Spirit, His sweet Spirit? He'll be your reason to live and he'll never let you down. The, the bridge of this song is quite powerful. You see, there's nothing in this world that's worth living for. It only leaves you empty and longing for more. He's the only reason I live. Oh, what a reason. Stand with me today. Only one life. When you get up in the morning and you look at yourself in the mirror, that is your responsibility is that person you look at. A friend of mine told me yesterday, I'm sure everybody knows who Aretha Franklin was. Yeah. They had her last funeral. Not her first one, her last one. Friday, I think. She had three funerals, two caskets, two completely different change clothes for each funeral. Precious. But it don't matter how many times they try to have a funeral service for you. She only had one life. What did she leave behind? 
Absolutely. And you know Aretha Franklin. You know the songs. You listen, folks. We could stand here and name celebrity after celebrity. You could name friend after friend. But Brother Donnie, if God doesn't come back and I'll leave this life, this life you're living is going to end. Either he's going to, you're going to be changed or folks, you're just going to die. What have you done with that life? The last several weeks, I'm thinking about it so much. I know. Then we started the church. We started the church in places that absolute preachers told me you weren't going to do that. And I did, and God done it. We had people in the city walk in. Very first man ever walked in the church, walked in and said, If you preach this message in this city, you won't have a church. He was wrong. I understand there's some things that's been accomplished in my life, but Brother Donnie, I don't want to be satisfied. I don't want to be that that person who writes that one book and never writes again. One book wonder. I don't want to be that person who teaches one Bible study and never teaches again. I don't want to be that person who knocks on one door and invites somebody to the house of God and never does it again. I want to be that person who my life is invested in the kingdom of God and I pour myself and I'm laboring for God because the only thing that's going to matter when it's over, Brother David, is what I'm laboring for Jesus. I'm done. I'm done. I'm asking tonight for this morning if I have said anything that is challenge you. If I'm doing anything today, I'm just challenging you. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. Let's take what God's given us, the most precious thing in this world. It's time. And time makes it life. It's your life. My life. Take that life that you have and finish this thing out stronger than you started. Finish this thing out greater than it began. Finish this thing out laboring for the kingdom of God. The altars are open. Please come pray. If not here at your seat, man, I understand you may not be able to get the altar. You may not be able to kneel down, but you're at all possible. There's something about leaving your seat and coming to an altar just seeking God. Come on, could we do it? Can we ask God to help us today? Jesus, we love you. We love you.